Everyone, welcome to a Friday edition of the Roto World Football Podcast. As always, my name is still Josh Norris, and what a week it has been, and what a weekend we have coming up. In this episode, we have Roto Pat talking about his rankings, which are obviously on RotoWorld.com. Before we get going, I would like to promote myself a little bit, which I'm terrible at but i have a fantasy show on the comcast sports networks otherwise known as csns Um, it's called real fantasy so if you live in one of those regions search it on your dvr or whatever you use and i would really really appreciate you tuning in And you can also check out the roto world's fantasy football kickoff which we aired on nbcsports.com prior to last night's game between the panthers and the broncos but you can find the videos on demand. So look those up or just, you know, follow me on Twitter. I'll post them at Josh Norris. Uh, so right now with Roto Pat, we'll be talking about Tyrod Taylor, Brock Osweiler, Frank Gore, a few others. Some really, really cool discussions with Pat. Um, absolutely worth your time. So without further ado, here it is. Patrick Doherty, otherwise known as Roto Pat. Your first rankings are here. But first, I want to ask you, because I don't think I've ever asked you this question. Um, and I can't remember how recent it was. What is it like to be a father, Roto Pat? Um, oh, you know, uh, it's uh, very easy. Is uh, it? Yeah, you know, okay. I was gonna. I was trying to find a joke tangent in my head to go off on, and <laughs> nothing came to light. But uh, I will say, you know, like whenever you tell people that you're having a kid, they're like, oh, you know, say goodbye to the next 42 years of your life. Um, it really hasn't been like that. I mean, it's yeah. certainly more challenging than not having a sentient human that yet cannot do anything for itself. Uh, I've heard like, that for the first few years, it's like, or maybe the first couple months it is, like all that you're doing is like keeping the kid alive or keeping yeah, the I kid mean, from killing itself. She's basically, you know, yeah, she's she's just now kind of coming out of her blob phase. Okay. Uh, she's three months old and she... Uh, she she can like reach for things now. So my wife and I are like you know crowd around her. Like we're watching the birth, you know, of like a rare panda or something. Like oh, you see, she's grasping for that, and it's like the most amazing thing in the world. But so, anyways, definitely harder than not having a kid, but also not nearly as hard and as everyone makes it sound like. I did want to mention that among the office in NBC Sports and Roto World, uh, she goes by Roto Patricia. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I think she might prefer Roto Amelia. That is her real name. Too bad. Um, she doesn't get to pick. I'm, unless she, unless now, she speaks up, she doesn't get to pick. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> now, I am now Roto Dad. Um, uh, hoping that one doesn't really catch on. Let's move on to these rankings, because um, that's why we're here, obviously. Your first set is up on Roto World. Obviously, you do quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, defense. You ki- Do you kickers as well? I'm doing the defense and the kickers right now. Let's okay. put it that way. Okay. Uh, I've got a very, uh, you know, secret formula for kickers and defenses. Um, maybe you can share uh, that. Maybe you can make some big money off that, Pat. That might that would have to be a five or six hour podcast. Yeah, that would be a big. <laughs> we'd have to have to be like a pay per view thing or something because people would be clamoring to see how that sausage is made. All so. right, all right. So let's move on to to Tyrod Taylor. You rank him as quarterback fifteen. To me, it's kind of crazy that the Bills are obviously they're road underdogs, but they're 
underdogs by three points against the Ravens. But I still think Tyrod's a good play. However, you have him outside of quarterback one territory here. You know, Tyrod Taylor, it's just like, I just want to see him. You know, last year he was inconsistent quarter to quarter, you know, let alone game to game. And he's just, I just need to see more from this guy. And, you know, he's going on the road against, you know, a team that obviously got, was not only bad last year, but like bled fantasy points. But it's a really good coaching staff. You know, it's had like three months to game plan for this game. And I think maybe, not that like I expect the Ravens to like bounce back to the playoffs. I think maybe people are sleeping on them a little bit. And I just, you know, I haven't seen Tyrod put it together for three or four game stretches or even like one or two game stretches and you know very questionable weapons i mean he has an elite wide receiver one which obviously is always a good thing right but i just i just need to see more before i'm all in on the tyrod taylor fantasy experience because he kind of closed the season on a much slower note than he began it and yeah i just you know i wouldn't to me a tyrod taylor hashtag exposure would not be the craziest thing in the world yeah. this season and only and only 20 expected points be, uh, from vegas so that's not very good either um brock osweiler though uh, Pat checks all the boxes this week, right? He's a home favorite with an implied point total of 24 points from Vegas. Um, but we all are skeptical of Brock Osweiler as a person who throws a football for a living. <laughs> you have him ranked as quarterback 17. But Pat, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a top 10 quarterback this week. You know, to me, my go-to line with Brock Osweiler has been, you know, for, first off, clearly he's set up for success. But my go-to line on Brock Osweiler has been, you know, the last time we saw him on a football field in a game that counted, he was getting benched for the worst quarterback in the league. You know, Peyton Manning was the worst quarterback in the league last year, and yet near the end of the season, the Broncos deemed him a better option than Brock Osweiler. You know, now clearly that's not like, you know, that's not like, that wasn't like the dividing line of Osweiler's career. He was still a first-year starter still, you know, very strange situation. You know, of course, anytime you have a Hall of Famer behind you, you're not going to have a ton of rope. So I still, still, I'm not ready, you know, to like write off Brock Osweiler. But just think, you know, a little caution is called for, especially, you know, when so much, you know, everyone, like, what are, these, what are the Texans have, like nine new starters on offense? Like, yep. you know, this thing might not get off to the most roaring start. You got right. two of the three, two receivers and the three wide set are rookies. So he's got all the weapons. He's got, you know, this running back we all love. He's got this great coach. But, you know, I feel like this whole operation might take like a month or so to get in sync. Yeah. So It is one of those plays that, again, checks all the boxes, but then you might just regret it at the end of it because it just doesn't work out. Um, I will say, though, lucky for him that he can't be benched for the worst quarterback in the league because Jared Goff is on the L.A. Rams. Um, <laughs> hey, you said it. It wasn't me or Menzio. Uh, you said that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's you see what? Goff was so bad. I got to start my first interruption of yeah. the season. Goff was so bad this spring or this summer that, you know, as we both were kind of joking about on Twitter, uh, like he kind of made Case Keenum untradeable, apparently. The Broncos were looking into Case Keenum, but right. the Rams decided he was just you know, way too valuable since their number one overall pick uh, does not look ready to play football. Uh, let's move on to Frank Gore at running back 18 for you. Um, not to, you know, maybe this is the wrong term, but, but cross columns here, cross swords here. But, <laughs> but Be careful with that one. <laughs> but in Rich Rebar's worksheet, he pointed out that the Indianapolis Colts have not had a 100-yard rusher in a game since week 15 of 2012. That is Vic Ballard. So let me ask you this. With Frank Gore <laughs> I thought it was since 
Dwight Eisenhower was president. That's a little more recently, but still a long time ago. So, so at running back 18, do you expect Frank Gore to break that streak this week? Uh, no. I mean, not, to me, RB18 was even a, a kind of a stretch. I mean, okay. the main reason is because I think you know, it'll be a high-scoring game. I think it'll be relatively close. So I have a hard time believing he'll get fewer than 15 touches, which kind of almost always makes you like in that RB16 to like 24 range. So he's got the requisite workload. Anytime you have the requisite workload, a, a touchdown is probably more likely than not. But yeah, yeah, Frank Gore, you know, people pull out all sorts of like – fancy stats and like you know talk about how you know last year really it's kind of unfair to judge him on his numbers or whatever but i mean to me how do you ignore a 33 year old running back who just had the worst season of his like very long distinguished career right. running behind you know like this this truly horrendous offensive, offensive line, line. Definitely. how do you look past all of that and like you know just sell frank gore as like this clear-cut bounce-back guy and, like, every week RB2. I'm just not buying it. Well, and and I'm guessing it's because people just want the workload, right, and not necessarily the efficiency, and they spin off off season. I mean, I'm speaking of someone who has a lot of Frank Gore shares in season long. <laughs> so so hopefully that offensive line plays well. Um, and, again, I mean, they, their implied point total is 27 from Vegas, and, and they're a home favorite. So maybe that, again, checks yeah, some boxes. I think RB18 is fair for Frank I Gore. Agree. I agree. I, I just want to give you a hard time. But I don't think he'll finish too far below that. And I'm not bullish on him for the whole season. But this week, RB18 feels very fair to me. So this is an open-ended question. I want you to pick one running back tandem or timeshare um, and discuss why you might rank one of those ball carriers ahead of the other. I mean, you have Jacksonville running backs, New England's running backs, Cincy's running backs, the Jets running backs. Pick any of them. This as a tandem, my favorite tandem this week probably is the Patriots. And, uh, yeah, I guess I've got LeGarrette Blunt, Blount, whatever your preferred pronunciation is, ahead of James White, just because I've kind of bought into the hype that while Brady's out, you know, Blunt will get a pretty decent workload. And, yeah, you know, I, I think they're going to have a conservative kind of run first offense. That makes him a decent bet for a touchdown. So, you know, touchdowns kind of trump all in this business. So I don't mind him being slightly ahead of James White. But, I like James White ahead of, you know, like a TJ Eldon or I can't even remember the third group you mentioned. Uh, Cincinnati. It, uh, Cincinnati. Hey, I like James White. Definitely ahead of TJ Eldon. Probably not ahead of Giovanni Bernard, but I like James White. I, he's another guy who's hype I bought because, you know, like the past three seasons, the pa- Patriots running backs have averaged as a collective 87 receptions. So I don't think that's a well that's about to dry up. And yeah, I just kind of, I like the setup for both those guys this week. You know, they're going to have to run the ball, and when they do pass, it's going to kind of be that running game. How do the way you phrase that? Where you kind of make the passing game part of the running game. I think there's going to be a lot of short passes to James White, yeah. so I kind of like both Blunt and James White in the RB three conversation. Uh, two more for you. Obviously, Tajay Sharp has kind of been the Cinderella story, the darling of the preseason. <laughs> Pat, you are coming crashing in with a Pumpkin carriage. Is that what they did in Cinderella? Any- uh, I have no idea. I need to relearn all At that stuff. At some point, your daughter's going to watch that, so maybe you should need to study I that. literally have a three-month-old daughter, so I should probably figure that out. You have him ranked as wide receiver 53. Tajay Sharp, the number one wide receiver on his team. Explain yourself. Well, you know, they're living that exotic smash mouth lifestyle. Uh, it's not, it's an ethos, man. It's not just a thing. It's not just a hashtag. It's a way of life. It's a way of life. The exotic smash mouth. The Titans are going to be run first. And, you know, Tajay Sharp, you know, blew up the summer like almost no one else did. But, 
you know, I, I don't think he's ahead of Delaney Walker. I don't think he's ahead of Rashard Matthews. And he is ahead of Kendall Wright this week because Kendall Wright is not playing. But I just what's what's the upside for him this week? Like, what's his targets ceiling? You know, six. Yeah. And I just think he's like a. Even if he's had this great summer, which by every account he has, I mean, to me, he's just two catches for 32 yards waiting to happen. And if he's going to be a thing, I think it'll probably be later this year. Well, hopefully he is a thing. He's a person, at least. He um, is yeah, he's a sentient thing. Yeah, not to undersell him. Let's uh, end two- it. I'm, I'm picking on you this episode. I promise I won't <laughs> do that each week. They just stand out to me. Um, Jason Witten, tight end 17. This is someone in six of his last seven times playing the Giants, he has been at least a tight end seven. So you have him at tight end 17. He's going to break that streak, apparently. I'm just, you know, this is all about being, I'm from that Adam Levitan school of ageism, man. He's just, he's just, yeah. He's, he, the fall off already began last year, and he's playing with yet another new quarterback. And before I'm kind of ready to like buy back into Jason Witten's like a low end tight end one, I would maybe like to see him play with a quarterback who is, you know, where am I trying to go? The Dak Prescott has literally never been game planned for. Right. I just want to see how the Cowboys offense functions at least once when the opposing defense has a game plan for Dak Prescott. And to me, Witten's just another kind of tight chart. He's just like four catches for 38 scoreless yards waiting to happen to me. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just, I'm rather roll with one of the young guys this week, Eric Ebron, or maybe even the crazy old, old guys, Zach Miller or something like that. I just don't, I just, to me, it's just like, What's the upside? If Jason Witten doesn't score a touchdown, it's probably less than 50-50 he'll score a touchdown. He's not going to give you anything. True. Uh, Pat, you're the man. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, I I disagree with that, but uh, uh, my pleasure. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, subscribe. And if you're already subscribed, that means take this next 5, 10, 15 seconds while I you know, talk to myself here for a little bit and rate and review the podcast. It really helps us reach new followers and listeners and everything. We want to grow this as much as possible because people like Ray Summerlin, Rich Rebar, Nick Minzio, Roto Pat, Evan Silva, and myself, you know, put in the work. So appreciate you all listening and watch Real Fantasy, Comcast Sports Network's CSNs. And next Thursday, watch the Roto World football kickoff again. We'll have this episode for the weekend and back on Tuesday with myself and Ray Summerlin with the Waiver Wired episode. So until then, enjoy the first weekend of NFL football and we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks.